Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Bienvenido! Homies! What a do-do! Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. I am your host, Chris Sinclair, joined by my co-host, the effervescent, very bubbly, never, never, ever sardonic Drew Garrison. That's me. Thank you for finally being honest. It's my coming out party. I'm the nicest guy in the world. And all the other things that you said that I totally believe. It's good. It's good. It's good to be back on the airwaves talking to all of you beautiful people out there. How are you? What's going on? What's going? Hey, I think I think we need to update people because some signage went up. Oh yeah, buddy. Uh, ABC note went up in the window for Good Bottle 2.0. Moving to Midtown, uh, Sacramento. A lot better parking. Giant bright building. You can't miss it from like three blocks away. It's like it. Uh, and this is going to be a King's reference. It's like lighting the beam. As a property, <laughs> as an address. Hopefully, so. hopefully, uh, the the Kings can can take down that ugly team down in the Bay Area, you know, <laughs> and uh, make that happen. Just love They're the pictures we're getting from our guests. That's great. Here's the thing: they're both my teams. I uh, I though am rooting for the Kings to win this one because fucking a, we deserve it after yeah. this many years and uh, however many uh, corrupt refs. Oh my gosh! At least that's the story that we talk about. Yeah. So how are you? I'm good. Well, I'm I'm excited to talk to you. The new the new spot the new the Good Bottle 2.0. Is there still going to be recording space for us? Are we going to have? That's right. We're going to open up. We're going to open up a uh, podcast studio in the back. Rent it out for other podcasters. Give them lessons on how to be mediocre like us and (laughs) fucking uh, all day. And uh, just let them go. You know, it'll be great. And, uh, you know, have a nice little bar inside of that little podcast studio. It'll be fun. It'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, obviously we're, I mean, the reason that, that we do so many online records, which I mean, like we do, we do a, a good amount of, of in-person as well, but you know, obviously with the pandemic that, that really kicked this into high gear. And then also, you know, as, as our guests have gotten more, you know, wider and, in with more variety it's it's kind of nice to be like oh no whiter you know they've gotten whiter yeah well i mean just like i guess in, in spectrum of like all the different people because we reach out to a, a wide why right? to a lot of strangers but that is not the case today we're having one of our friends on definitely it's, not white also it's well yeah no not that either we're having a friend on and and let me just say like this this person is he's he's one of those types that when you talk to him in a in a busy bar, like you feel like the prettiest girl in the bar because he's so focused on your conversation, even though he's got chaos all around him. He's got he's got that special knack, which I think, which I think is why people. I know, read a Wall Street to. Journal article about how he was able to do that one point it's, in time. It's it's truly it's truly impressive, and I think the one of the things that I appreciate so much about this person, you know, not only the fact that we went and smoked cigars with Mike Ditka together, but also the fact that you know, despite the the accolades and everything like that, he's just always still down to earth. So of course, I'm talking about 
the owner of Pacific Cocktail Haven and the dog-inspired Kona Street Market, Mr. Kevin Dietrich. Kevin, welcome, buddy. How are you? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. It's awesome to to get back on the, the podcast and and talk to some talk to friends and not strangers, which is always a little more a little more easier to to have natural conversation. So I appreciate it, guys. No, no, we appreciate you, man. I mean, like I said, like we know we know how busy you are. I mean, uh, PCH has become like one of the most popular bars in San Francisco and Kona's is right behind it. I finally got to go the last time I was in San Francisco and it was great. Uh, totally different vibe, but still great fucking drinks, man. And it's just like, it's, it's is it, so is it cool. fair to say PCH has earned international acc- accolades at this point in time. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's, I'd say yes and no. I mean, it's, we jokingly say we're a brand new bar because obviously the, after the fire two years ago, we reopened. Uh, and the irony is, we kind of were jokingly saying that we should uh, we should be nominated for Tails' new cocktail bar because we're essentially <laughs> a new bar and a new address. But yeah, I mean we've 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 been around the block for for Set Gore on seven years this year, so we're, we're we've been around for sure. Seven years went really, 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 really fast. So feels like still day one. Well, and the new space is is so gorgeous too. You know, it's like. The, the bar is much longer. Um, there's there's so much seating that's just like in that area. I mean, there's just, there's not a bad spot in the house. And then you have this really kind of cool um, like entryway as well, some outdoor stuff. And I and I think that, you know, that's obviously one that you didn't have at the, at the old location. But, you know, to give our, to give our listeners just kind of a sense, I mean, you know, we know a lot about you, but like, how would, how would, how would you summarize yourself? You know, oh. I mean, <laughs> over all the years, like what, what do you think like people should know about you? What do you want people to know about you? What do we want our listeners to know about the Kevin? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a great question, man. I mean, I, you know, I'm just, I, you know, I tell a lot of people, I'm just, I'm here for the work and not for the praise. You know, I, I, I started in this industry over 20 years ago and just as like a, a nightclub bartender and then a hotel bartender and just kind of worked away got passionate about a lot of things, a lot of got passionate about the industry and got to, was really lucky and fortunate to surround myself around a, a lot of amazing and amazing people. And I think at the end of the day, I'm just trying to to keep up with them and, and keep their legacies going on and pay tribute to everyone that's given has paid the way for, for us and for me. Um, so I think if anyone knows anything about me, it's not about the attention. It's just about the work and, uh, taking care of our guests, taking care of the community, and as I get older in this in this bartending world, I try and hold down as long as I can behind that bar, which is why you know I, you know I change my diet, I work out, and everything, and try to keep this health healthy health healthy work life balance that I think I fail a lot of times at, but uh, <laughs> I think that's just <laughs> it's hard out there. But it's I think it that's, is. I mean that's it the is. kind of gist of it is just you know I love what I do and I I just want to keep doing it. Well, so, you know, one of, one of our favorite, favorite brands on this podcast is, uh, is Kohana rum. And I remember one of the first times going into PCH, you actually had a bottle on your back bar and, and it was at a time when you could not get that bottle in California. And I just, I just remember being kind of floored by it. I was, I was like, how do you have that? And you're like, it was really expensive. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you now you've, you've since gone on to make your own 
house blend of Kohana rum with, with the, with the team from Kohana, you know, because our listeners do have this history and like we've had Justin Dolier on, we've had Kyle on what's, how does that come together? Like, how do you take, you know, this relatively small brand and be like, Hey guys, let me do my own blend. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a lot of it's just relationship. You know, I, I talk about this industry when I talk to new bartenders and, and veteran bartenders and, and service points is we're in, we're in the relationship and experience business. Um, and I give an analogy of just relationships. You know, I, I talk to people and I cultivate relationships and for me, I just want to do business and with my friends and with the relationships that I have. Um, and the amazing thing about Kohana was just, it's, it's like family for, for us. You know, my wife's from Hawaii. I've, we've been going back and forth between Hawaii constantly for like, we've been married 14 years. So it's just a lot of families over there. And then just like going over there for work as well. I've just cultivated and, you know, because were Kyle, Dave, Chris, uh, Warren, all those cats out in Hawaii family at this point. Um, so we were just, we were talking when we op- reopened PCH. I've been working really, really hard to trying to make exclusive bottlings for PCH. You know, we've got rye whiskeys, we've got bourbons, we've got tequilas, we've got a scotch coming on the way. And it was like a big point of mine for moving forward is being able to have these like independent bottlers as our signature spirits. Uh, but also just been like preparing for if there is another pandemic going on, you have these this category or these things cellared that allow us to to create revenue offwise. So it's just like yeah. it wasn't just like a decision for like a personal base and for PCH branding. It was like something building for a business that could happen and just preparing for it. Cause I think we're all in the back of our heads. It might happen again. Like you talk to architects and designers, they're being taught in school right now to prepare for to design spaces and prepare for if the pandemic happens again. Uh, so I think that was some of the gist, but uh, going back to Kohana is it was just a relationship. I was talking to Kyle and I was just like, I was like, Hey man, would you ever allow us to do our own rum? And he was like, I don't see why not. And I was just like, but it would have to be our house rum and it would have to be something very different because they only do single varietals. Uh, if you guys are all familiar or listeners are familiar, they're only single varietals. I was like, well, let's get there. We'll we'll come out there. You know, we'll pay on our own dime to go out there. So this wasn't like a giant brand trip where like the brand flies you out, puts you up, uh, wine and dines you and everything like that. This was out of our own pockets. So I flew out there on our own pocket, brought two of our bartenders with us to have this shared experience. Because it's not just about me. It's about the team and it's about building the brand. And it's about building PCH as a community. So we went out there and had the lucky opportunity to go out there and taste all the varietals kind of go with the scale of like blending them together, which was like, you think is a lot of fun. I think everyone thinks that we have a lot of fun, like tasting spirits. We do, but like, I'll tell you like blind tasting things and scaling things back and forth for like six hours. It's not fun. Like the first hour you're fun. And then after a while, you're like, your mouth feels like sandpaper. You start getting drunk. You're wishing you're like craving cheeseburgers and you're like, how much time do we have left over? Like, it's just like, it's because it's work. You're like, every time we change the proportion of that cane varietals, those three cane varietals, we taste tested it against a rum, a coke, a mojito, and a daiquiri. So we're just a lot, a lot of drinking to try and make sure it hit to where, what we think a consumer would enjoy it for like a rum and coke. We, we considered the rum and coke, the mojito, and the daiquiri as like a test, as like the standard for what a rum, like a white rum should go for. So were you, were it. you concerned? Were you concerned? 
like greatly about cost. I mean, Kohana's not not the cheapest rum in the world, right? It's not it's not Donku, right. it's not Bacardi, right? Uh and yeah. there's a lot of character, a lot of uh a lot of you know, it's a small brand, right? So Well, it's yeah. also funky too, because it's not just uh, price. It's oh, like it's right? also a flavor profile that most people you know, I mean, I remember the first time smelling a bottle of Kohana, and I was like, I was like, is this correct? And then you taste it, and you're like, oh my god, this is amazing! You know, it well, is. At that I mean, point in time, just... it probably wasn't correct. Well, oh, yeah, <laughs> ah, yeah. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> so long uh, ago. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's it's always interesting because you know, here in Sacramento, we're in so so much more of a smaller market than San Francisco, and obviously, PCH here. You're right in the heart of downtown. You have, at least now, now that the world sort of opened back up, that that foot traffic that that drives that. But I, I was really curious. You know, for me, owning a bar and like and 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 the the bottle shop, I'd be really concerned about the cost of that. So way I could I could stretch my pennies just a little bit more. Is that you know? Do you find that that would be such a thing? for you yeah you know, I, I mean, also for our listeners you know my our well cocktails are like well pro, like shot and beer and whatnot like that is like seven eight bucks right and i'm imagining for you in san francisco it's probably like what 10 11 yeah i'd say depending on where you are i mean anything house cocktail wise you're looking at between 17 and 24 dollars for a house cocktail yeah and uh, no, none sh- of our cocktails as of right now go above 15 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we live in this bubble, right? The San Francisco bubble where, you know, the, the cocktails are higher priced. Everyone's using higher, higher spirit, higher cost spirits and everything. So it allows us that little freedom to do it. Like sure. The bottle cost was high. We're actually bottling it at a hundred proof. I originally wanted it off the still. Uh, and then I found out what the price was off the still. And I was like, well, that's tough. Right? <laughs> we definitely, <laughs> let's water this down just a little bit, but not to 80. Let's keep it at a hundred. Let's use some that of that good it. Hawaiian water. Let's, let's, get, let's <laughs> yeah. incorporate some of that stuff in there. So let's try and try and get it to like a reasonable price. And it's okay. Like we don't, again, like we're not, we're, we're not making a ton of money off of it, using it in our house cocktails and as our house white rum. It's just one of those sacrifices and one of those trades that I have. Like it's a cash and cachet trade for me. You know, I learned this kind of word cash and cachet back in the day with when I worked for Kimpton. And it's just like you can have the cachet, but then you have to have the cash. And somewhere on the menu and somewhere in your bar, you're going to have to balance the two off, right? Because you're going to stop to make cash and you still want to have cachet. So if you can find that happy medium between the two, then you then you run a successful bar. So I found that balance between the two and allows us to do something fun with Kohana. That's right. That's awesome. So, I mean, you know, you're it. So right now I'm, I'm wearing one of your, one of your hats cause I'm just pandering to you as our guest. <laughs> but I will say like, you know, the, the stuff that the, any of the branded things that I wear from PCH, like it's, it's one of the few bars that like I always get like comments on, you know, or people are like, Hey, that's, I love that place or man, I want to go there so bad you know, people do have these expectations and, you know, and I'm of the personal belief that this is going to be a very big year for you guys, where I think some big time awards are going to come your way and it's going to be like impossible to get in. But, you know, <laughs> up until that point, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. How do you, how do you manage expectations and, you know, for, for your consumers, but then also, you know, for like your, 
for your employees? You know, like, like how do, how do you go about that? Like, what are the things that you're preaching every day? You know, you have all this experience. How are you passing that on to the rest of the team? Yeah. It's uh, I mean, going back to your intro where it was just like mediocre. Uh, I jokingly always say, I used to work for a, a GM once that said, let's just aim. He was like, he sat to me down and cause I was like stressed and he was like, Kevin, let's just aim for mediocre. Cause if you aim for mediocre, there is no expectation to hit and people just know you're mediocre. So you're just hitting the mediocre can of that. So just going back to the intro when you were like, Oh, we're just the mediocre podcast. So there's, there's no good or bad. Of everything. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a GM that I worked for like this restaurant. And I was just like, what you're going to, you're like pep talk, talk to me right now is to be mediocre. And I was yeah. just like, that's, that's not even, it's not even a doable thing. Uh, but sorry, going back, I digress, but going back to your question, I mean, it's expectations are, are hard. I think it's, you know, as, as we built PCH and it was very organic in the very beginning when we went to the old space, when we built in the old 580 space and it was a lot of the work had, had, was done by me and a very small team. And a lot of our regulars got to see it every single day. So they invested into that time and, and being able to see the space change. Um, and it was a different time too. Like the, I, I'd say the staffing and the, the people and the generation was very, very different. So manage expectations now is really, it's really, really hard. I mean, it's, you know, with what they say, Spider-Man says with great, <laughs> with great responsibility comes uh, or great, well, great, great, power comes great, great power comes a great responsibility. And that's kind of the, the, the hat that we're wearing right now. It's just, there's all these high expectations because everyone puts us on this pedestal. Um, and I tell everyone on the team and our guests, we shouldn't, we should never put anybody on a pedestal. We should never put a bar on a pedestal or a person on a pedestal because it just puts a lot of pressure on that person and the expectations are unrealistic at that point. And I think a lot of times is telling the team that we don't aim for perfect because there's no such thing as perfect. Perfect perfect is subjective and perfect is just something that just never happens, right? The least we can do every single day is is create those experiences and create those relationships and be be the best we can at those moments. Um, and create those moments. And that's what we, we kind of go for every single day is taking ourselves out of the equations, knowing that every single day is people coming in for spending their hard work dollar with us. And we have to give value for that. Uh, and I think the team does a, a kick-ass job in terms of meeting those expectations. You know, there's a lot of other baggage that comes with working with me. So I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a, I'm a hard person to work for because I have great expectations and I push and I drive. Um, but it's just like the, the consumer coming in has that, has this thing where it's just like, yeah, we won Tails Cocktails, best cock American cocktail bar. Like I won Tales of the Cocktail American Bartender. It's just like all these expectations are just piling on. But how you handle those and how you handle those accolades is what it is. For me, it's just like I shove them in a, they're like in a box in a basement somewhere because I just don't believe, <laughs> I don't believe in awards. I don't believe in personal awards and I don't believe in accolades. I think we just do we should be doing what we love to do every single day. And if it comes, those accolades come, it gives us good press, but it, for me, it equates business and gives, gives the team and, the, and our guests that opportunity to feel like they're part of something. Like all our regulars come in and be like, Oh, I've seen, I've been coming to this bar seven years in a row and it's the best bar. And the team that works there is just like something that they can hang their hat on and be prideful for. So before all the accolades, before PCH, you actually had a, kind of a a legendarily bad go of it in <laughs> in some manner of speaking like there was 
you had you had a handful of of bars. You were the hotel king in San Francisco for for years. Yep. You know, you ran some of some of the most iconic, but then also like most quickly shuttered bars one after another after another. I think the only one that's still still running is um um uh, I think uh, Jasper's is still open. Jasper's is still going, yeah. Yeah. But that's I I don't think a lot of people know that part about your story and it wasn't, you know, going from that that there must have been a lot of pressure on yourself. You must have felt this like um this like I'm not I'm not meeting my own expectations sort of sort of move when you when you finally took over yeah cantina and you 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 opened it as as uh turnkey which ultimately then became pch was there a question in there chris or are you just trying to bury no no i'm sorry i'm asking like how does that how does that flipped out really quick so i missed (laughs) oh i apologize how do you how do you at that point in time in in your career and in your life i mean you were still earning earning some accolades that you know i i made reference to the wall street journal I, i actually don't remember if it was the wall street journal that wrote you up for your for your workout routine or not but but I, I remember you still you still got a lot of high praise. But I, I kind of feel like the entire Bay Area scene believed in you and wanted you to do well because every every time you were behind a place, it was it was incredible. But it wasn't really until PCH that you really came into your own and you found you found this like roaring success. There must have been some part in the back of your mind that was just like all doubt and fear and like what what was that like for you turning that corner? Yeah, I mean there is it's hard. I mean I I'll be honest like there was there's times I think the biggest the biggest letdown I had and the biggest hole that I I dug myself in and I'm not quick to ever feel bad for myself was was after BDK. You know, I never that was that was probably like the biggest kick because I was just like it was just successional things of like Burt Room to to Jaspers and um, all kinds of things that had happened and you know I I think it's all about who who you're around and who's going to bring you up and who do you support and I leaned on I leaned a lot of leaned on a lot of mentors I talked to them I talked through things with them uh, my wife is absolutely amazing so I mean she's probably one of the most positive. Um, supportive of people that I know, and she's been supporting my career from day one. Um, and just having those people around you is what's going to happen, right? If you surround your, your, yourself with people that are positive, like-minded, and driven like you, the only way to succeed is they're going to push you, and they're going to continue to push you. Um, and I think one of the, the best things that you know my wife ever told me was like every every setback is just a setup for a comeback. Uh, and that's just how I've always I've always saw anything that's happened from fires to bars being taken away or closed. It was just like you know you just have to continue focus on what you want to do and be completely driven with a focus. Because without you can have drive, but without focus, you're just going to be spinning your wheels. Um, and that's just been from day one. Always, uh, my work ethic has always just been was has been that I just keep my head down and I work. And I work extremely hard. I think one of my my best quotes that I ever saw was like the I was think I was watching like some NBA uh remember the NBA like montage videos was called like superstars or something with like Michael Jordan down mm-hmm. Wilkins or something 
Uh, and I remember seeing this thing about Carl Malone and Carl Malone was just like working out. And he was like, I work out every single day. And he was like, you know why I work out every single day? Because it's like, he's like, if I miss a day, then there's another person out there who's not going to miss that day. And they're working twice as hard as I am. So I need to work harder than the next person. And that's always resonated with me as like, I'm going to, I want to work harder than the next person. So I'm not going to miss a day. I'm not going to miss an hour. You know, I cut down my diet, cut down my drinking. I wake up at like six o'clock and start my day. I just keep going. And that's just like, if you're going to, if you want drive and focus, you know what you want, you're going to go get it. And, and surround yourself with, with people that are fucking amazing, right? That's it. And so, you know, you know, with that, with that being said, like, you know, you do have a pretty awesome staff. I mean, I think like Francis has become like one of my favorite people watching him work behind the bar, you know, and just kind of like managing all the rest of your team and, and stuff like that is, is I, I, I really appreciate it. It's like one of my favorite things to observe, like a really well-oiled machine. So, you know, for, for younger bartenders and younger people in our industry who, who are coming up and looking at like a team like PCH and how you guys operate and stuff like that, you know, what do you, what would you say to them first of all, or, you know, first of all, like, you know, what are just some of the things that you wish you would have known, you know, when you were a little bit younger? And then second, if someone was to walk into your bar and be like, I want to work here, what do they need to do? You know, or, you know, is there, is there like a, Hey, grab a ticket and get in line. It's uh, around the back and it's like a few hundred deep or what's that look like? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's, I mean, that's a good question. You know, you know, generate, we talk about generational bartending a lot with the staff and with the community here. I think that leads into a lot of just training and mentorship. I'm finding the right place to work. You know, it's, it's, uh, I think we did a big training for our staff, both our staffs last year or two years ago now. Um, cause we're, we're talking as a community about how there's this generational gap, right? I mean, Chris, Drew, we've all, we've all bartended. We came together, we came up in a certain period of bartending where there was older bartenders that we would learn from, right? We learned based off of seeing and observing them bartend, right? And now this generation, our generation is either left the industry completely, less operations, or we're working in a band drop. So these young bartenders that are coming up, they're not given the same opportunities to learn and be mentored from. So it's just like, it's upon us, like our generational to either put systems in place where we're teaching uh, and we're mentoring, like how to cut off people, how to engage, how to disengage, how to preemptively know that there's a situation going on. And these are all talents or skills that have not been turned passed on to the next bartender because these young bartenders are like bar backing and then a week later they're bartending and another week later they're, they're the bar manager and another week later they're the GM and it's not leaving us in a, in a good, in a good sense of what the future is going to hold. So we as a community need to get together and start training and putting these systems in place. So it's just like talking to those young bartenders and when bar- we get a lot of resumes and I get a lot of emails and, and, and texts about how, how to, how to start an industry, like what's the best way, like what do you, what do I need to, to, to learn and what I need to, to, to take on? And a lot of it is just like, this is, is like work ethic, willing to change, uh, listening uh, are always my, my two big th- or my three big things. It's just like, you got to be able to listen. You need to be able to be coachable. You need to be able to take criticism is, is a lot of it. Um, if you work hard, you can do all three of those. Um, you can, you can rise the ranks. Um, but a lot of it's just like you got to be humble too, man. You got to just be ready to you got to be ready to work and not take anything personal. Is that it? 
All right, my resume's on the way over. So <laughs> how uh, how do you how if you you said it, so I'm assuming you've thought about it. As a as a community, what what do you think is the the at least a loose formula for getting the older bartenders to teaching the young bartenders, even if it's not behind a stick, you know, at one point in time, USBG was massive. USBG chapter here in Sacramento is non-existent anymore. I know in San Francisco, it's still going, but you know, it's definitely not what it once was like 10 years ago. It, what, what tools, what sort of modality should the older bartenders and younger bartenders be be working towards in 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 order to create that like culture of learning and education and hospitality i think that's that's a good christian question chris i mean it's you know the usbg is is there in presence it's it's gone it has its ups and downs i think we just need we need better leadership a lot of it is just leadership and 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 taking those resources and pulling people in and if it's not just a business doing it like we're doing it just as an individual business, but as as a community, as a USBG, or as like a brand, put, put those like those hospitality sessions in, and 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 bring those bartenders, those older bartenders back, and and have those conversations as as like a forum. It doesn't have to be a tails thing where everyone has to spend money to go down the tails of the cocktail. It could just be in San Francisco. It could be Sacramento. I mean, this is something that we're we're working on. Like, um, I'm currently working on bringing SF Cocktail Week back. Uh, we haven't had an SF Cocktail Week since 2010, and it just—it's something that has been in the back of my head, and we've had a lot of conversations over a couple of years and how we bring it back. Um, and I chose to bring it back and align it with with API Month, which is in May. But I think we can start off on that little that little thing, and then bring in that education and have those forums and have have these communities and the the leaders that we knew, like the Johnny Raglans, the Jeff Hollingers, you know the. The people, XGMs, you know, Emily Wines, that was the first female SOM, and they can come and talk about service, uh, talk about hospitality, and have those conversations and have the tough conversations for everybody. Um, and we've we've done that internally, but it should be something we should be doing as a community. And it just I would like to see someone young that's driven that wants to take this and kind of run with it and create a little group or create a little advisory board and be passionate about bringing this back, where it's just not about it's not about making the cocktail. It's not about what's in the glass. Uh, sure, we should be learning about contemporary classics. You know, I, you know, I jokingly say that young bartenders probably don't even know who made the penicillin or the gold rush. Like they're just making these drinks because uh, they know how to make them, but they don't know the story behind them, where they come from. And I was like, we need to go back. We need to like teach those because this is all going to get lost because we're all just like so ingrained in making our like own cocktails. Uh, and forgetting about the past, it's all about me, 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 and what did I make? What's my new technique that I invented and stuff like that? And it's just like great, but that's like PR and marketing and everything's pushing that direction. But it's like as a core, we're going to lose these stories and these storied people that are that have developed us and put everything in place for us, and we can't forget about that. So I think, Chris, to your to what you're you're saying is it should be a community, and we need to get together as a community and drive it. I think that's I think that's something that is definitely I guess it's not emphasized enough. I mean, I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk about this, and and I'm kind of like, like, man, like how how do we do that? Like, I somehow got lumped into like an older group of like Sacramento uh, people. Like, I just I think I was at the very tail end 
and I somehow became one of the old guys. But like, I don't have that that experience behind the stick. Like, all my stuff is, you know, building brands and building, um, you know, trying to to build stuff out and up through sales and, and whatnot like that. But we've, but I've always been fascinated by hospitality, and I've and I've also joked for a long time, you know, it's like if if you're still in this business, especially after the last two years, like you have a mental illness called hospitality. Like that's just <laughs> what it is, right? You have yeah. to provide it, but how do you provide it? And I know that for me personally, a lot of my trainings have switched to, it's like, Hey, I can tell you about this Mezcal or this tequila and I can give you all these tools, but like, here's how you actually sell it. Right. And this is how you convey it to that guest. Who's like, well, I want Casamigos. Well, I'm, we don't have Casamigos, but we have this. And this is why we chose this. And it's not to put down that brand as much as or little as it might deserve, but it's like, this is how we're going to talk about it. We're going to take you from one experience to the next. And I think, you know, listening to you guys talk about like, oh, how do you deal with a drunk guest? How do you deal with the stuff? It's like, man, (laughs) that is, it seems so obvious. Like, oh, you just get the reps, but you're right. There is this huge gap between, the older, the older guard and the newer, I will say, because I do make it around to a lot of different bars and stuff like that. Something that I haven't seen in a long time. And it was really starting to get bad before the pandemic was there was kind of like this mindset, like I know everything. There's nothing else for me to learn. Right. And then, and then there was this great reset, you know, where now there's this big, there's this, I, what I'm finding is like, there's this, there's this, big group coming up that's not jaded that doesn't have these hangups that they're like i mean i met with some people the other day that they're like we don't really know what we're doing but we're figuring it out and you know we're having a good time with it i was like you know what that's a that's a great place to be god you bless know? them that's amazing yeah god. i don't i don't that's think it. i've ever heard anyone in a bar ever say that yeah it's <laughs> i don't think i've ever heard someone say this so the fact that yeah. you have like what sounds well, like this, at least two people say it is fucking incredible. God well, I mean, it was, you know, like they're paying, they're paying $17 for a 750 vodka for their well, and it's not Tito's. And so I'm kind of like, I'm like, you guys, there's so much to learn, you know, like there's so <laughs> many different things that you can do in this, in this business. So it is, it is really cool. I mean, like, like not everyone is, is going to be up to your standard, Kevin. Right. I mean, yeah. like you said, like you're hard to work for. I mean, behind behind that vibrant smile is a silver tongue we get it <laughs> but it's like how do you how do you think that you make that translate to to kind of make it digestible where it's like yeah maybe it's not you know the pch experience and i don't want people to think like you walk into pch they roll out the red carpet and stuff no it's just you know you're, they're engaged they're there like you guys just it's it's comfortable it's not stuffy so i want to make sure i'm clear with that but but being i mean still maybe a bar. We, we, it's still, still a bar, bar. Maybe we need to take it offline and develop this million dollar idea, but it's like, how do you roll this out to people? You know, like, how do you get people? Like, I mean, if you, if let's say it's a, the elevator pitch, it's like, why does hospitality mean so much in, in our industry? Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's, there's different people interpret hospitality differently. Right. It's, it's a great interview question. We always ask that question of just like what define hospitality for us. And everyone has a very different, a very, very different answer. And there's no wrong answer, right? We all come up in a different, in different places from dive bars to hotel bars, to fine dining, to cocktail bars and, and everything. So there's no, there's never a wrong answer of what 
hospitality is. I think it's like the, the elevator pitch to, to, to get into it is just whether or not you're, you're selfless, you know, a lot of it is, or can you be a selfish, compassionate person? You know, I think uh, my wife tells me all the time and she thinks that every person in their entire life should always should work as a server, uh, work mm. in hospitality, because it's just a humbling and a, it's an experience just to know what it means to be in it, to take care of people. Uh, and that's just, that's just something you either, you don't have to love it, but at least experience it at one time to know what it feels like to, to take care of someone, to be hospitable. And the translation to a lot of it is just, is like hiring is a lot of it's hiring the right people and, and hiring the right people into the culture, uh, creating the culture of, of that. We don't care. You know, we care about, obviously we don't care, but we care about our guests and we care about the experience of all time. Not, we don't care anymore, guys. Let's just, let's just throw this shit out. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question, Drew. I just completely, complete tangent. No, but I mean, but I think that's just, I mean, that's what, you know, we love about this forum and, and why we continue to scream into the ether, whether or not people are listening, we don't know. But uh, no, they are. We have numbers. They are. But uh, it's, we have I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's, there's factual numbers here. No, I just think it's, it, you know, it is something where it's like all, all the things that we've talked about so far, it's like, you know, expectations of, of the bar, the things that you've done, the things that, that you care about. And ultimately the reason that, that we're all in this is because like there is the service that you're trying to provide. Right. You know, yeah. for both of you guys, you know, you both have, you both have bars and you're trying to, you know, like offer something to people that, Hey, this is a unique experience for, for myself working with, you know, smaller, more esoteric brands. It's like, Hey, like, how can I be a value add to your bar? That's then going to be a value add to your customers, you know? And so when you work, when you're working in that, when you're trying to find those good fits, I think that's, you know, it kind of continues to drive you and continue to make you be like, Hey, what's the next cool thing that, that we can do that someone's going to be like, it's like, wow, I can't get that at home. You know, yeah. I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get that down the street. Like I can only get it here. Yeah. I think a lot of us forget it's, it's supposed to be <laughs> cocktails and drinkers are supposed to be fucking, it's supposed to be fun. That's what originally why we got in this industry because it was, it was fucking fun. Right. I left, I left my tech job. I was working a normal tech tour nine to five and I left that because the bar industry was fun. You know, my best friend at the time was a DJ. The girl I was dating was a bartender. And I, I used to go out Wednesday through Saturday with them. And I was just like, dude, this, this is fun. You can actually make money doing this, like working in it and just being right. partying. And that's like, we, we always forget. It's just like, sure, we're doing these fancy cocktails or we're at this cocktail bar and there's these accolades and everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's just fun, man. We just got to have fun. We got to take care of our guests and, and convey that fun. If it's too serious, then it's just like, what happened to what happened to drinking? Like what happened to the drinking fun stuff? It's just like it gets boring after a while. You know, what's funny yeah. is uh, um, my number one thing I I always tell um, bars and restaurants whenever I'm consulting and whatnot is that uh, because I see it over and over again is that people just get into their head about and blinders on about their concept and what they're doing and whatever their theme is. And for me, it's always like, look, it's food and booze. This is fun and it's emotional. Like, it's not a logical thing. People, you know, that's why Yelp is so fucking infuriating, right? Because yeah. people are talking and trying to, trying to like create something 
that makes sense to everybody else out of their emotions and what they experienced. My entire staff, I'm like, look, people leave happier than when they came in. It's a win. I don't care if they're, you know, their food could be fucked up. Their drink could be fucked up. But if they're laughing when they're walking out the door and like waving bye to everybody, nothing else really matters at that point. I mean, here's hoping that they paid their bill, but like, (laughs) (laughs) like this is, this is, Food and booze is an emotional experience. It's not an intellectual one. People got to get out of their heads and and really just start delivering more emotion. Yeah, you you remember the experience, not what you ate or drank, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if you remember anything, do you remember the drink or the food you dish you ate? You remember how you felt at that moment? You remember that night? Like I remember, we I, this is one of the best times I had in New York was like one of my best friends, Joe Garricks, and I went out and it was just like this like. It was like a once in a lifetime moment where like all of our friends convened in this one bar called Blind Tiger Ale House in New York. It was just completely random night. We all ended up there, got fucked up, whatever. But it was just like, we don't remember what we drank or ate. We just remember that moment. Like I don't remember anything else about that night, but I remember how I felt and that experience. And it was just like this dive bar in, in New York. But that's what we all remember, right? That's our inherent human condition is remembering an experience, right? We remember how happy we were and how sad we are if we had a bad experience. And if everyone has a positive and great experience and has that, then that's a fucking win. I could care less what anyone remembers a fucking a drink. Sorry, I'm cursing. Are we allowed to curse? Sorry. 100%. It, we're talking, yeah. You this is, this is, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you should have heard my five-year-old dropping F-bombs earlier. It was uh, it's very okay in this house. So it's like, she I got just on lost- that. Dad, I was just listening. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hang on. It's okay now now that Hensley does it, but when I did it, your wife got mad at me. That holds up. Is that what happened? Oh, she just got (laughs) mad at me for on the podcast. That's all. Oh no, that's funny. Uh, No, we were we're I'm sitting we're sitting in my office, and I was playing PlayStation. I'm playing this new zombie game, and Hensley is just hilarious when I play these different games, right? Because she's like, "Oh well, I know how this goes. Like you gotta do this, Dad." I was like, "You never played this before." She goes, "Yeah, but I know how to play, right?" And then at one point I'm kind of like messing around and there's like a safe spot you can get. And she just straight goes, dad, close the fucking gate. And, <laughs> and awesome. my wife just starts, she's like, she's like, what did you just say? And she starts laughing and then just continues to say it for, for ever. So yeah, yeah it's <laughs> just forever, just forever, just forever. It's that's how, no, we have, that's we, how it starts. No, we only have two rules. We have two rules for it. It's like, you know, don't, don't, don't cuss at school and don't cuss in front of grandma and Mimi. That's it. Like that's just as long as you do those things. So, so you, you can cuss in this house. You can cuss on this podcast. It's totally safe. You know, you just let them let them fly, Kev. Like you, you got to do what you got to do. Oh man! Now that I know, it's just <laughs> game over. Start it over. Start yeah. the podcast over. Cue how the many, music. How many colorful <laughs> metaphors can I use in an hour? <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's, you know, I think overall, like we're, we're really excited that you've been able to share kind of all this, all this fun insight into, into PCH and everything that you take with your approach and and stuff like that. And I hope everybody, everybody's enjoyed as well. But now I think it's time for our opinions on facts we've gotten from reputable sources. Is that how I say it? Just, you know that. <laughs> okay, so 
Of course, everyone's well aware of how much Chris and I appreciate celebrity endorsed products. And I'm at the point now in my life where I just don't care anymore. I've tapped out. It's is that, a losing is that battle. It? Is, that, is this where we've reached? Man, I'm bro- you've heard it here me. first, folks. <laughs> they broke me. I mean, I'm still, listen, I'm still not going to support them, but it's, I just, I, I also am not going to invest the emotion anymore. I don't believe you, but you lie to yourself as much as you want. However, <laughs> but JLo just released, JLo just released a new RTD, right? She's partnered with Beams and Tori. And they have released uh, an RTD, these really fun, pretty drinks, which I was kind of like, okay, whatever. Like that, that makes sense to to me. Like this, this seems like, okay, you know, RTDs are big right now. This, it comes in a, it comes in like a wine looking bottle. It's beautiful. Come to find out she doesn't drink. It's true. JLo uh, uh, allegedly is infamously sober. No, she's yeah. not. Then, she's not completely sober. She just drinks a very minute amount. Okay. Well, it's enough that people are like, you're yeah. sober, bitch. What the fuck? Yeah. And then if you put this on top of it, her newly minted husband also has his history with alcohol abuse. And it just seems like this kind of thing. So, so her fans are, you know, some are supporting, some of them are pretty outraged. The article that we have is like, people are pissed about her doing basically like a cash grab. Yeah. You know, as a, as a celebrity, Kevin, I mean, what are you going to endorse? I mean, is there something is there something that you would compromise to be like, hey, this is off brand for me, but the money's too good, you know? Does that exist for you out there, or or what are your thoughts like on this celebrity thing? Kind of be like, you don't even drink it now; you have an RTD. What's that all about? Yeah, I mean, it's a good. It was a good. I mean, I read the article, and I mean, there's so many celebrities. To get, I I just found out that um, who has a new the rock. tequila? Someone. Else. The Rock has the tequila. Then I just found out, I just saw Jason Momoa in Orlando, and I didn't know Jason Momoa had a vodka. And I just found out he had a vodka. Oh, yeah. Yes, I saw that too. So there's that. And then I'm just like, you know, the J-Lo thing. And it's just, you know, I I think I'm kind of like you, Drew. I'm just kind of exhausted. And I just, you know, I just don't pay too too attention to it. And it just, I mean, sometimes it bothers me where I'm just like, man, it's just like, the rich getting richer kind of thing, or it's just like how much, how much more richer do people need to, the rich people need to get for them to just like stop doing things that just don't make any sense. So I definitely think it's like some type of branding or maybe her like agent or her manager were just like, Hey, you know what you should do? You should, you should jump on this RTD business and invest money. Cause it's just like, maybe a lot of these celebrities have too much money. So they're trying to like invest money in these places. Cause then it's a loss for them or something. So it's just like, that's how I think of it is like the back house is like a, you know, business helper and entrepreneur is like they're investing things because they have to get rid of money or it's like, I'm just going to sell it out for something. So I'm just surprised they didn't go like a non, like a non-alcoholic route. Like if she talks about being sober, it seems like with the growing trend of non-alcoholic spirits and drinks and things like that, like that would have been the play. But would have been so much. Better. I mean, maybe I maybe that's so where better. she's going. We don't know, right? I mean, there's a narrative here that we're not we're inventing. She could be starting with RTDs that are boozy and going, "Hey, these are delicious. Now check these out." No, Chris, I know we all know. We all know. We all know. You know, this is just facts. We're giving facts out right now. This is truth. 
Okay. We're just like you know, Fox I, News. I, We're just one like of Fox. That, one of the things that stood out to me though about this was uh was who partnered she partnered with in order to to create uh De Lola and it's Ken Austin. And Ken Austin for our listeners out there who who aren't uh aware, Ken Austin is like OG in celebrity brands. I mean, this guy, this guy has been in the industry for a really long time. He's found his niche in getting celebrities to invest in brands, to blow them up. Terramana very much. So is one of them. Avion was his like first major success. Uh, this is definitely one of them. I mean, the guy he's proper number 12, uh, the Irish whiskey, right? I mean, the guy, he worked for Seagram's for Bunch Gold, of metal spirits, just <laughs> one after another. <laughs> but he's making apple. He's making hella money, right? Like this guy. This guy's clearly not a dummy. He doesn't. He's not in it for the passion of what he's creating. He's creating businesses, right? In no way would I be surprised if he approached her or like ended up at a party and they were talking and he was like, "Sure, I got this. We can do this. Let's go," right? Let me let me ask you guys this question because you know both of you have different reputations. Obviously, Kevin does much better. That, that's right. But when you are approached by your by your distributors and things like that, because you know, obviously, like I've I've sold booze to both of you guys. Like I know I'm always trying to like, okay, I think this would make sense. Like I'm not going to try to bring you something that's totally ridiculous unless I think it's hilarious, right? Although to be so, fair, Kevin, he did bring you up last time he tried to sell me something. <laughs> so he was like, of course. Hey, Kevin bought a few cases of this. So what are you doing? <laughs> I, mean, I, I almost kicked him out of my bar. But I think you gotta you gotta leverage it when you can. So <laughs> but I mean have you I mean especially it, it maybe more so like in like the past year or something like that. So for you Kevin like have you been approached by any of your distributors and kind of being like, they bring you a product. You're like, are you kidding me? What, in what world does this make sense? Or do most of your distributors go like, Hey, I kind of get it. Like, I'm not going to bring him this stuff. I'm going to bring these things that kind of fit that. I mean, does that still happen to you at this point? No, I want to, I want to say I've had, I have a really long standing relationship with most of my vendors. Like I've known them for almost, I would think almost 15 years that they know, they know, they know not to bring stuff to me. Like, it's just like a, it's a failed thing, but sure. They'll like, if they need like a, a placement, I'm happy to like accommodate. So they're like, Oh, can I send you a bottle and then we'll swap it out for something else? Like they need that sale. I'm happy to accommodate the sale, get the placement, get it on invoice and then we'll swap it out for something else. Like I don't say legal, but I knew they, it's part of the job. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. It's part yeah. of the job. And it's just like, you know, this is a give or take, you know, this is a relationship. So they get, it's, this is like, I'm helping them out. They help me down, down the road. This is just like what friends and relationships do with, with businesses. I do say there are a lot of people that cold call me that have zero idea of anything that what PCH is. And that's kind of where that kind of irks me. It's just like, they show up at like six o'clock on a Friday or I'm in a service ball and they're like, they're like, Hey, I have the biggest growing Mezcal brand in the world. Do you want to taste some Mezcal? And I'd be like, yeah, uh, here's just email me. I was like, you can just email me, man. They're like, hey, no, I have all the bottles with me now. Do you, do you, I'm just going to put them here and you you can taste them. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like, who, who cares was this? Because this is, this is very specific. 
Oh yeah, no. I mean, I'm not gonna. I won't say who it was, but it was just. Do, it was Eric, kind of just. Eric, can, you, can you type it into the chat? We won't say it. There's a little chat feature right oh, here. Oh yeah, I would. Let me see if I can find his. I'll have to look for his business card because I I kept it because I was just like I told the staff. I mean, the staff kind of knows we have this running thing with the team that whenever someone asks for me, I'm never there. So it's just right. like I could of be course. in a service yeah, and be like, "Who's Kevin here?" And it's like, "It's like no, I have no idea where they where he is." I've actually talked to people brand brand people or reps that come in they ask for me to me and i'm just like no i don't he's not in right now kind of thing but that's i think my biggest pet peeve is just like cold call without without doing the homework of what the bar business what this bar is about and what it sells and just like coming in and be like like stroking this ego of being like the number one growing mezcal or whatever and i'm just like dude man i was just like taking a like take my number take my email send an appointment but he just keeps cold calling me. He just keeps showing up. And I'm just like, at the wrong times. Like, it's just like, come on, man. I don't, we don't talk. When the bar, when the bar opens at five, we, we talk about, we talk about service and we talk to our guests. We don't talk about business. And it's just like, that's my, that was, that's kind of my cut and dry on it. Do you think there's, do you, I mean, and I, and I, Chris, I want you to answer this as well. Like, is there a way to pull that off successfully or if it's like listen if you're dropping cards or doing anything at these hours like you're just you're never getting a shot is there is there a way to properly do it hmm this know, is a very Chris. selfish question by the way i just put <laughs> <that out there. laughs> it's like just like taking taking notes i'm always taking notes baby That's, you know yeah, I, I mean i think i think along like the same same thread that kevin's been been saying all this whole episode is it's all about relationships. So if your first, if your first move is to walk in on a Friday night with a bag full of booze, read the fucking room. Right. And if this is, if this is about relationships, like build a relationship, you know, show up, understand that, you know, if I'm talking to you, you're fucking welcome. Also don't be a dick about it. Right. Like don't, you know, don't come here if I'm, you know, in the service well and I'm slinging drinks and I've got like tickets running down my arm. Don't try to get me to have a drink because I can pour what myself. What if you put your card I don't need right next to one of the tickets? Like, right? Like, because you're going down the line. <laughs> just take my card and I'm next, you know? Next. So, talk to me. No, is that not it? No, I, mean, I mean you gotta have circumspect man and that, that's the i think that's the biggest issue with with a lot of like salesy people whether it's like southern or people who are uh self-starters <coughs> drew that come out and you know come into a bar is they gotta have circumspect you know you gotta gotta understand i had these fools i was standing next to brooke arthur when i first opened up good bottle um, I was standing on, on the sales floor and um, and we were sitting there having a great conversation. She had brought me a bottle of Westward when she was still with Westward. It was signed. It was standing. It was literally sitting right next to me. And these two cats from Southern walk in and they start telling me that I need to carry Sincoro and I need to carry Don Julio 1942. And what am I doing? I'm right down the street from the Kings Arena. Like I should be capitalizing on this. I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, I was like, just give me your card and get out, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, with that, I immediately earned, cause I was very frustrated. I earned the reputation of being snobby immediately. 
Uh, and also, Brooke turned around and was like, is this a thing that you have to deal with? And I was like, yeah, like a lot. She was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm an owner of one of their brands, and they're not even smart enough to realize that, like, my brand is sitting right next to you, and we're talking. Man. What the yeah. fuck? A lack of circumspect when it comes to salesmen in this industry, and probably a lot of industries, is vast. Kevin, do you rant. have a story that you wanted to share? End of I rant. feel like you do. I feel like there's yeah, something I mean, there. I would just, no, I would just say is, I mean, that's definitely, I have to concur with Chris. Is, is, I, don't, I definitely don't like it when people come come in and tell me how to run run a business or run my bar. Is is definitely like, you should carry this because everyone's going to drink it, the kind of thing. And I'm just like, I'm like God, that's it's just frustrating. It's infuriating when people tell you how to run run your business to your face and you're just like i don't i don't know but especially know, like when Chris it's their first time in <laughs> in there yeah, for literally like, five minutes <laughs> you're like you know what you should do you should you should really just you should make a happy hour menu and charge six dollars for cocktails you know and and get like a, a two dollar well and you're like i'm like dude that's just not that's not who we are they're like you're in you've got all these tourists around you should just be like catering to the tourists and i was like no we're we catered to everybody. I was just like, we were a mix of everything in Union Square from locals to to neighborhood to industry. And they're like, I think you could do better. And I was just like, fuck. Well, you're, you're right. Let me just let me just close this bar after seven years because you haven't seen what's going on here. So the bar but- that occupied the space before us was a was a dingy sports bar. And um, they had pool table, they had dartboard, and they had jukebox, and they had an ATM machine. At least once a quarter, we have one of those old vendors come in and talk down to us for not having dartboard, pool table, jukebox, or ATM machine. And literally, they're always like, "What? what's wrong with you? You don't like money? They make us so much money. Yeah, Why don't yeah. you like money? <laughs> this, it's, not, it's not what this is. They're like, okay. And they smile and shrug and then walk out. <laughs> like, what are you, That's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Someone tried to sell me like a photo booth. They were like, you should put a photo booth in this bar because it makes so much money. And I was like, what? I was like, where would I put a photo booth? And why would I want to put a photo booth? Like, it's just not the bar that you would put a photo booth in. And they're like, no, people love photo booths. And I was like, yes, like 15 Romlo has a photo booth. Totally fits the dynamic there. I was just like, all these other bars have photo booths. And it totally fits the dynamic there. I was just like, where, where in this opportunity are you going to have a photo booth in here? And they're like, I was like, like, well, you should really strongly consider it. I was like, thanks. <laughs> Good talk. It's like, let me get my let me get my uh, small batch Kohana rum daiquiri. And I'm going to go over to the photo booth and take really great pictures with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get the upgraded package and have them send them to me digitally as well. It's going to be great. It's going to be like, absolutely great. So they create, it'll create hashtags and people like tag your bar and everything. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if, if my business is completely driven off of hashtags and sure I'll, I'll buy right into that. How, so how, I mean, that, okay, that takes me into an interesting thing as well. It's like managing social media. Like, do you, is that a big thing for PCH? Just kind of like, cause I, <laughs> so he's making all kinds of very graphic images <laughs> of not liking this, this, this medium. Is it the necessary evil at this it point? Is. It is. It's a necessary evil. I mean, Chris probably knows that like, you, you know, it's just like you have to, 
you post stuff and then people follow it and then they, they come in. Like, it's just like, we'll post a new cocktail on Instagram and people come in for that cocktail. And it's just, it's a necessary evil. It's, I don't, it's hard for me to justify that I, I spend, I have to spend time during the day to figure out what picture to post and what to say on it and how to be like quippy or like, whether it's going to be a, a story or a post that's like, I was like, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know the difference between the two, you know? I'm like, oh, can I post it in? Can I post it as a story and as a post? Like, is that too redundant? Like, it's just, it's such a way. I feel like, it's I feel not, like it's a way of it. time. Do it. It's not redundant. It's not <laughs> redundant. Do it. Just, just Absolutely. It. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not smart enough in that, in that Instagram role or social media role. Like, it's just like, I do it. I do, I think I maintain a little bit of it to keep us going, but it's definitely not the, it's not driving the business. If it was all about that, then we would have closed like year two. What do you think is the biggest driver for business at this point? If it's not, cause like, cause a lot of people tell you it has to be social media, right? Mm. Social media, content, business. You know, I mean, it, it pains me to say this, but you know, our articles and, and awards and stuff like that is what is drives a big amount of it. Right. It's, I mean, if you think about it, like, when we go, when we go traveling, what are we googling when we go to a, a new city, right? We Google best cocktail bars or like cocktail bars to go right. to, right? Totally. But within that yep. Google search, it pulls up, you know, the accolades, the bars, World's Fifty, you know, Tales, like Thrillist top bars, you know, Yelp top bars and stuff like that. And that's what, you know, it's it's a I I hate to say it, but that's what drives the business, right? Because as people are pulling up their apps, they're pulling up Google, they're searching for stuff, and those are coming up. Like I have guests and regulars that literally just go to those lists. Like I once was at a, like a, a Michelin star dinner with my wife and we're sitting next to these, this couple. And they're like, we only go to Michelin star dinners. And I was just like, and I was like, uh, can you switch seats with me really quick? <laughs> so I was like, I do not, I can't sit next to people if they're just like, we only go to, and then they're like listing them and everything and that stuff. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, I just can't, I can't do it. But it's, people look at those lists, right? World 50 list and tails lists and everything, nominations and everything. People look at it. And I think that's big, you know, we don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it, that drives, drives business. And some of the, the tiny portion of everything else is word of, word of mouth, you know, industry drives it um, mm-hmm. and your fan base. You know, I think one of the, the biggest things that I was ever told when I first opened is if you can create, you know, diehard fan bases all your regulars and then their reg- then their friends become diehard regulars of your bar that's like the most organic way you can go but that takes time right and you have to win over right. every person but the instant gratification is is the fucking awards and the and these accolades and these articles so it's just like don't i always tell young bartenders and stuff don't cry about not getting attention if you're not answering these emails or anything like that's the number one thing is like, answer your emails, answer the phone calls, text back to people, email will pay people back in a timely fashion. Cause I was like, those are small and opportunities. Up. And show them. up to yeah, meetings. And show, and show up. It's like, that's a good one too, Chris. It's just like, show up, man. I was like, all it takes is show up being present. If you're present, then you're going to get the attention to the next person that doesn't show up. So. Yeah. I love that. I mean, and, I, and again, it's just like the opportunities are definitely out there. I mean, sometimes you got to get outside your comfort zone. Like, like you've talked about, it's like, I don't want all these accolades. Like I just want to grind it out and, and make good cocktails and create a amazing experience for people. But it's like, you have to do that other stuff so you can continue to fuel that dream. Right. Yep. So, well, that's awesome. All right. We've completely gone off the rails on JLo talk. 
So <laughs> I got I got well, one thing to say about this. I will say because I I been oh, this one had, thing now. Okay. This had been brooding okay. inside of me. Uh, with all the all the people who were like, oh, it doesn't make sense. You're sober. It's like, also, shut up. Who cares? It's fine. Right. Uh, of all the things that are out there in the world that exist on all of your uh, restaurant back bars and your grocery store shelves, like this is the one thing you're gonna get mad about. As if it's like this is this is like the biggest two faced thing in the world. Like, get over it. It's yeah, fine. I can be it's mad okay. about multiple things. Okay, it's true. I'm it's be- very true. You can. <laughs> And you know, I've got alcohol. It. It's fair. Michelangelo, <laughs> Michelangelo is porn, and you can walk around with guns in Florida. I mean, what's uh, yeah. what's what's what else are we gonna complain? I think about? I, you know, honestly though, I think like if it if this tastes good, someone wants to drink it, have at it. She's not taking anything away from anybody. This is just a product that exists out in ether. It's yeah. fine. You know, it's not, she's not pretending to be something, something else. It just is. Also, if you want to go down that route of it being someone who, who, you know, has struggled with alcohol or knows people who struggle with alcohol, you know, at least she's not being judgy about it and shoving down everybody else's throat. Right. Like she still fully admits like this is a hospitality thing. And like on occasion, it's okay. You know, the more the world should be full of people who are like in the gray area on things now. Right. Oh, totally. That's a good perspective, Chris. Whatever, Chris. That's That's right. I nailed it. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Because she's so good looking. That's really it. It's hard not. You know who's dope? Them over there. I cut you off. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Kev. Do you want to finish your thought before we we get into dope? (laughs) I loved it. That was perfect. That's exactly what I was going to say. So I didn't know. Go ahead, yeah. say it. <laughs> you know who's dope? Them over there. Perfect. So now it's time for my favorite part of the show, which is the dope follows. We're going to tell you who you guys should be checking out. Could be podcasts, movies, TV shows, maybe cool bars that you read about in the Washington Journal. Is that what it was? Wall Street Journal. <laughs> the Washington Journal. That's probably a publication. It almost certainly is. It's the one they yeah, give away. I mean, come on. It's the one they give away for free. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they give it to the homeless people to sell, make yeah. some money. Yeah. So, so that that's that's what it comes down to. Kev, what do you got? Who who's your don't follow? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I follow a lot of people, but I think the one that kind of like the two that I that. You know, I sparks joy. It's kind of funny. I like the I love the mover and shaker uh, Instagram. Like they just post funny shit, and it's just like it's just like real people like send stuff to them, and they put a little like wording on it and stuff like that. And just like sometimes the shit is just like so relatable that it's you're just like this is fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah. So I love I love the mover and shaker, uh, and then I'm uh, I exercise a lot, so I follow this other guy, uh, this boxer guy named Tony Jeffries, and. Uh, I always like to watch his workouts and stuff like that. So it's, you know, between keeping some humor and keep trying to, to smile throughout the day and then uh, trying to trying to keep this 45 year old body from breaking down hundred percent. So that's Tony Jeffries. You don't look at, you don't look at day over 37, my friend. Very proud of you. 
Nice. Well, it's really dark on here, and I have like this nice filter on it called the twenty-one-year-old filter. So, <laughs> is it the Forever Twenty-One filter? Forever That's... Twenty-One filter. <laughs> they've moved it. They've moved into the into the web yeah. space. <laughs> yeah. my room is pitch black. That's great. Love it, Chris. Who's your top follow? Uh, I've got a few. In terms of Instagram. I want to give a shout out to our homie who's been helping us out with our uh, with our Instagram page. I talked about him last season. His uh, his Instagram and TikTok game has just like unraveled. He is like leveled up tenfold. His shit cracks me up. That's my boy Al Marquez. I used to work with him back in the day at Rabbit, and this fool is like just I don't know. He's just unleashed his. And he's got, well, he's. He's gotten featured by Nick at Movement Shaker a few Shaker. times now. Yeah. 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 They so. they go back and forth a bunch. Yeah. Nick's Nick's a great guy, Kevin. You should you should listen to our episode with him, shameless plug that we did <laughs> with with them. He's really he's really awesome. So it was well, like, he, make, a, he makes our pins for us too, so that's good. Oh, oh that's right. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know as well. There you go. So Al is uh, on Instagram at Al underscore that's sorry, that's A L underscore marquez m-a-r-q-u-e-z 82 for those of you who don't know and then uh (laughs) one for the for the uh the wokeness because i need to feel good about myself every once in a while uh www.cofermented.com or on instagram at co underscore fermented uh it's an organization dedicated to creating awareness and facilitating representation of uh the lbgtqia plus community uh within awesome. the wine industry um and they they do events shows um educations tastings all sorts of things it's rad it's just like this inclusive group of people who are just enjoying fucking drinking wine because why not and then learning about wine and being wine professionals and and it's dope it's just cool it's just a, another perspective and another microphone and just making making this industry that we enjoy so much more interesting why not is is that what you said why not co co co-fermented co-fermented oh i thought it was a pun why not like why not why, why, not? why that's, not that's going to be my my industry comedy page is why not why not? <laughs> what about you, Drew? So mine's going to be just comedy, and it's this community I've recently started following. I was so blown away by the majesty of of this person um, that I put it on like one of my like permanent stories, and it was like sick burns. And like one of the things like, he's like, here's some sick burns that, you know, aren't that mean, but it'll definitely make somebody think a little bit extra about it. And it was like one example was you look like someone who took a long time to figure out how to tie their shoes. So Velcro was a big part of their, of your life. (laughs) It's it's stuff like that. And it's just like burn after burn. And it's Instagram account. It's big tug. So B I G G T U G G. And he's continued to come out with like, really hilarious videos since I've been following for the last couple of weeks. So uh, it's really, if you love dry humor, this is, this is the guy for you. The videos are just fucking hysterical, but the insult one is by far my absolute favorite. Cause he just goes on and, and I just want people to go and listen to it. Cause it's just ridiculous. So uh, oh, that's awesome. Again, big, 
big tug on on the Instagram. I I would assume it's on TikTok as well, but I don't have a TikTok, so but I think that's where it originates. You don't have a TikTok? What's that going for me? I don't have one either. I so. don't. Who am I to judge? So Could I don't even know. I, how you can still judge. I'm kind of fine. I won't judge you for judging. It's good. If they keep going down this route of like trying to ban it, I might join it just to be you know different. That, you know that tracks for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always the contrarian. But you know what? Those were some pretty dope follows, guys. Good job. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by Leon and Chase Moore and produced pretty darn great today by us guys. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you subscribe. It's a little button. Sometimes it says follow. Sometimes it says subscribe. Sometimes it's just a check mark. Click that fucking thing. And please leave us a five-star review. Share us with your friends. Simple things like that make a big, big difference. You can also like, click, share fun stuff on our Instagram or Facebook, which is the Good Bottle Podcast, which Al Marquez comes up with some fun stuff for us as well. So uh, there's another place to check him out. Or you can check out our personal accounts. Mine is D Garrison six or Chris is Kristen flair. Kevin, where can they find you PCH and Kona all on the social medias? Yeah. So uh, my personal Instagram is just uh, at uh, the real Dietrich. Um, Dietrich always spelled like died rich. So don't spell D I T just pretend I died rich D I E D or I C H. PCH is just PCHSF, and then Kona's is just at Kona Street Market uh, Bar, which is on, typically has a lot of Kona content on there, anyways. So if you like dogs and pities, then follow Kona. Yep. So great. Or Vita. Hell yeah. As always, we would like uh, <laughs> to thank you for tuning in and listening to this buffoonery. If there is anyone you think we should talk to, reach out to us. And Drew, Drew's going to do his thing. I'm going to drink a bunch of booze and then ask him. Yeah. Because I care. <laughs> because you care. You do because it, I care. You do it for the children. Just I like Wu-Tang. It. Yes. For life. You do it for the celebrity alcohol. That's what, that's, that's going to be a pretty drunk night. Well, that's it. Cheers, guys. Good job. Salud. Yeah, thanks, guys. Super rad. Next time we have you on, we're going to talk about Kona a lot more because I feel like we had not enough Kona content. Oh, man. We should have just talked just about Kona the whole time, how she just runs runs everyone's life. The 13-year-old, thir- uh, 13 year old, 13 years young. How she just runs, that up, runs around the bar and then like, just likes to sit next to people like she's a human being, which is amazing. Like, pictures <laughs> of her just sitting on banquets next to people just sitting there. It's like, you need to, you, there should be your, your your newest hashtag is hashtag Kona content. Kona content. <laughs> At least that way right people back. can follow it. They're like, oh yeah, Kona content. There's more Kona content. I'm in. More Kona. More Kona.